Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Jesus, I live to make intercession for you guys. Think about this. That means that nonstop, 24-7, right? I mean, Jesus is living and interceding on our behalf. Every mistake, everywhere you need to be covered, everything, any mistake. The Bible says it talks about Satan, that he's the accuser of the brethren. And Satan could be there accusing you night and day before the throne. Bill did this. He didn't do that. And it could be true. And there's an advocate with Jesus Christ. And I got Jesus Christ also living to make intercession for me, keeping me in the right standing with the Lord. If you ever watch court TV or been a part of a court proceeding, you know at some point in the trial, witnesses are called. Someone is called upon to vouch for your character and reputation. But in regard to sin and your guilt before God, who can act as your witness and advocate? Pastor Bill shares that only Jesus can do that and is ready, willing, and able to do so. But you need to ask him. Now the devil will come to bring his accusations of guilt, but Jesus came to set you free. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 30. For today's edition of A Transforming Word. Verse 6, this one deals with a wife that's under the authority of her husband. So verses 6 to 8. If indeed she takes a husband while bound by her vows or by a rash utterance from her lips. I'm going to come back to that. By which she bound herself and her husband hears it and makes no response to her on the day that he hears Then her vows shall stand and her agreement by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband overrules her on the day that he hears it, he shall make void her vow which she took and what she uttered with her lips by which she bound herself and the Lord will release her. So verses six to eight says, look, if a wife who's under the the covering, I say authority, but it also is a covering. A wife is under the covering or authority of their husband in God's economy. And so if a wife, it says, it gives us two different scenarios. If indeed she takes a husband while bound by her vows. So let's say she's already made a bad vow, but she takes, she gets married. And the husband, he comes in and sees that she didn't enter into something bad. He can overrule that. And then it says, if by a rash utterance from her lips, she bound herself to something. So maybe she just in a moment wasn't really thinking it through all the way. Maybe in an emotional moment or whatever, she makes a rash vow. Husband can say, no, 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 we're not going to do that, babe. He can intervene. Now, once again, here go the criteria for the intervening. It says, and the husband, if her husband hears it and makes no response on that day, then then it's good. Then, Then it stands. But if the day that he hears it, he says, hey, babe, did you just say that? Is that what I heard you say? You can't make that commitment. We're going to undo that one. I'll talk to him. I'll get it squared away. He can step in and overrule and she won't be bound. Now, here's important as well, right? In both cases, the husband needed to act on that day. Uh, He needed to act quickly and he needed to do something on that day. And so, again, I would say to men that are leading and God has blessed you to, to be in a position of oversight. You can't be sitting back real passively watching things go wrong under your roof that God says, I'm holding you accountable. Now, you might you might need to take you a minute, get your emotions together, get your attitude right, have you a prayer, get you some scriptures and then come and address them. You got a whole day. But God said, look, it it need to say something. You need to do something that day. After that day, you let it go. Uh, Don't don't come back next week saying, well, that thing you said, I didn't agree with what you said last week. and I'm speaking up now. 
God said, no, nah, if you didn't say nothing that day, don't say nothing. I'm null and void. So that's important, right? That's telling me that God said, hey, man in authority, you need to act promptly. Can't let that stuff go. Same idea when it comes to disciplining kids. God said, look, if you discipline your kids, and Proverbs says, discipline them promptly. You can't wait a week. I don't know what they're getting a whooping for. You got to go, hey, what did you just do? You got to get them right then and there. You know, it got to be prompt. Give yourself enough time to get your act together, get your attitude right, but it needs to be prompt. So here God says in a marriage scenario, once again, a, a husband has oversight. He has, he's a covering for his wife. And so God said, look, if a woman made a wrong vow or you hear her make a rash vow and you can jump in and intervene, it says that she won't be bound, that she could be released from that decision or whatever that was, that situation. Once again, this isn't to dominate a woman. This isn't to, this isn't a chauvinistic, you know, stomp on her head. This is God saying, I want to cover and protect you. I'm protecting you from making rash decisions. Now, someone might ask, well, how come the man? Well, notice in verses one and two, God said, look, if a man, God already dealt with the man. You need to keep your word too. But, But God has put man in God's economy. It's the Lord. It's the husband. It's the wife under the husband. The children under the mother and the father together. And that's God's divine authority. And Again, our, our society that we live in right now fights that tooth and nail, but we need to continue to acknowledge that that is the way that God would have it to be. Whenever you see it done properly, it's beautiful, right? A man in authority under God is not a mean man. He's not a, a stomping on the family man. He's a man that uses his authority to build them, to protect them, to love them, to nurture them, to minister. They're better off for being under his care. This doesn't give way to some macho, I run the show, stomping my foot, having everything my way kind of guy. As you come to the New Testament, we find that Jesus is the the picture that every husband is aiming to be like. And so every husband, every man that's in a position of authority, we're always looking at Jesus. How did he lead? How did he oversee? He was so gentle, so gracious, so loving. He was firm when he needed to be firm. He had prayed, spent time with the father. He wasn't just throwing things off the hip. He was giving solid counsel and direction, but he was gracious and patient with those as they were coming along and making mistakes. It's a great example for every husband. Every husband has such a high mark to hit that we ought to continue to be looking at Jesus knowing that we're not there yet and we're continuing to aim to be like that. So, now looking at verse 9, we have a divorce or a woman who husband who's not no longer with a husband. So verse 9 says, also any vow of a widow or divorced woman by which she has bound herself shall stand against her. So if a woman is divorced, so she's not under the authority of a husband or she's widowed, her husband has passed away and she makes some rash vow or she makes a vow, she's got to stand under her vow. There's no There's no covering to take that up off of her. She made a vow. She's got to stand with it. And so in that sense, an unmarried woman or unwed woman is not she's not under the covering of a husband. In that case, her her vows have to you know, she's got to keep them. Now, verse 10 through 16, we're back looking at a woman wife with a husband again. It says if she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an agreement with an oath and her husband heard it and made no response to her and did not overrule her, then all her vows shall stand and every agreement by which she bound herself shall stand. And again, I want to just point this fact out that here, once again, it says that if her husband heard it, he made no response. And while on one sense, I want to really nail the husbands and say, husbands, 
if you see something going wrong in your household, you got to stand up. You got to speak up. You got to lovingly intervene and do the difficult stuff for your wife, for your kids. It's just a difficult thing to do, but you got to do it. On the flip side, because I've been around long enough to see what happens in households and in scenarios and in families where women dominate, at some point it's wrong, but I've watched many times very domineering, non-submissive women fight and fight and fight to have their way all the time and finally you get a husband that says fine I need peace I can't do it you win and he just recluses back he doesn't fight for anything anymore he's a lead and then a woman's looking at him like he's a pathetic leader he's the leader you made with all your domineering non-submissive acts and behaviors so I just want people to know it, it goes both ways as much as I would jump on a man and say man you need a man up step up to the plate do your job you're the man do it I'm also saying to the women, submit and let them do it. Make it easy. A woman that is submissive to her husband in the Lord has the best chance of having a husband that will flourish as a spiritual leader. A woman that will not submit to her husband in the Lord makes it very difficult for that man to flourish in all that God would have him to be. And best example I can give out of my own life. Uh, I've been married 19 years, you know, with my wife and I, I would say about my wife that my wife is a my wife is a submissive wife. Now, for you guys that know Mika, that doesn't mean that she's an airhead. That doesn't mean that she don't have opinions. That don't mean that she don't have something to say. That doesn't mean that, you know, I, everything I just want, I get. That means that when it comes down to it in the Lord, she submits to my authority. What that's done to me over the years, and I could definitely say this earlier on in the marriage, was when I recognize that she's going to fall back and say, okay, whatever you say, babe, I'm, I'm just going to submit to you. You pray, you let me know. It was a holy pressure, I felt, to make sure that I was hearing correctly from the Lord before I said, before I put my foot down, before I said, this is what we're going to do. I can say in all this time, I've never in my marriage, never in my family said something, we're doing this. If I didn't, if I couldn't say the Lord said then I'm, it's, I'm passive. I'm saying it, it, we can do it. I'm open. Whatever you want to do. We can see it either way. But in those times where I prayed and I said, man, this is what the Lord is leading us to do. No matter how you feel about it, no matter who disagrees, no matter how many cries and tears and tissue boxes we got to go through, this we're going to do. And everybody catches up. But her, her being submissive causes me to feel the sense of I better get it right, though, because the last thing I want is for her to say, babe, whatever you say. And I said, we're doing this. And it was just me and it wasn't the Lord. And then it blew up in our face and she'd be looking at me like, I thought you said, I thought you said the Lord. Because one thing, God won't lead you and then let it fall apart. Now, I've had God lead me where me and my wife were at. Uh, we did not agree, but he led me. She followed reluctantly, but she followed. And the Lord put his stamp on it afterwards. Afterwards, we could look back and say, oh, that was the Lord. And I was glad. I'm like, Lord, thank you for putting your stamp. Even, I don't care when you put the stamp, but thank you at some point for putting your stamp on it. So that Lord, no questions about that decision. That one's off the map now. Next decision. So for husbands and wives, husbands need to lead. Now, what does a husband do if you got a non-submissive wife? What's he supposed to do? <laughs> well, you, you can pray. Um, but this is the this is this is what it comes down to. Right. As you look here, you need to pray, but you need to lead anyway. And I, I hope my wife don't mind me doing this. You mind, babe? Can I tell them? Talk about it. God bless you. She's submitting. Yeah. So when when we our, our our first real big like head bumping decision was very early in the marriage. I don't even know we were a whole we, we were in a whole year in were we? Three months. 
three months into the marriage, the church that now she had only been in a missionary Baptist church. The pastor of our church was a pastor came out of the church she grew up in. That's all she knew as far as church. And that's where I had went since I got once I got saved. I met her. I went there. We were growing there, serving there. That was what we knew for church. And I was getting involved in ministry. I had started. I had preached my first couple sermons. And it looked like this is where we're going to be. Got baptized here. The guy married us. This is our church. And a few months into marriage, it was like uh, hit me like a ton of bricks. The Lord said, it's time for you all to leave this place. Like, like we weren't we weren't going to grow here anymore. And and I was that was a hard thing. I'm like, but I love him. I mean, that's the only pastor I've ever known. He baptized me. He did my wedding. And the Lord was like, you, you need to go. And I remember coming to her and saying, man, God is really speaking to me that, that God is saying to go. And I'll never forget her words. She said, he didn't tell me. <laughs> and, then, and it might have been with tears and everything else. I mean, that was the first time in my marriage my wife was crying. I remember being up at night and she was crying and God didn't tell her and he told me. And I'm, I'm sitting there you know, having a hard time. I'm like, God, you, you wrecking my marriage. We were doing great. And then this, you know, I'm trying to obey you. She's crying. My pa- the pastor don't agree. My friends are like, you need to stay. And I take it back to the Lord. And I'll never forget this. That God said, either I'm going to be Lord of your life, or he is, or she is, or they are, or I am. You pick. Who's Lord of your life? I said, go. And, and that, was a, that was a very powerful, important lesson in my life where God was like, you need to go. That's what I said. So go and take her with her tears. Go ahead and walk away from, you need, to just, you need to just go. Best thing we ever did. We left. God moved us on down the road. We ended up at Calvary Chapel. I got it. Me and the pastor made up several years later. I got invited to go back and speak. I took her with me. And nobody that was married when we left was married when we went back. Nobody. Not one marriage that was married when we left was married when we got back. And I'm like, maybe that's why three months in, God said, y'all need to get up out of here. Y'all not going to make it here. Who knows? But I look back on that. It was difficult. She had a hard time with it. But even though she was having a hard time and she was crying, it was difficult. She was also. We ain't never worshiped at separate churches. She didn't say, well, you go there and I'm going to my church. Oh, no, 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 no. She came on with me. So she gets all the points that you get for submit. You can submit even though you don't agree. It catch up later. Submission don't mean I agree. It don't mean I feel good about it. It don't mean that it makes me happy. It means it usually isn't submission until it's something you don't want to do. And then that's when it's submission. So all I'm saying is that a wife that will submit will help a husband to grow. And a husband that has a wife that won't submit has no excuse. He needs to lead anyway. Because as you lead spiritually anyway, eventually she'll look back and say, he was right. He was right. He was right. It'll eventually get easy to follow you if you praying, seeking the Lord, hearing from God, making decisions that honor God. Eventually, rather she agreed or not, came or didn't, she'll eventually look back and say, that was from the Lord. Boom. That was from the Lord. Bam. It'll be cleared up in time. So, so everybody has their role. Amen? All right. Y'all still my friend? I'm, I'm, I'm y'all's friend. So here goes. Here goes. So this is the, the once again, it was the wife. Their husband could, in verse 11, says if, if he heard it and he made no response and didn't overrule her, then all her vows would stand and every agreement which she bound herself would stand. But verse 12 says, if her husband truly made them void on the day he heard them. So once again, the husband needed to act promptly. So you can't be sitting on things for weeks and weeks and weeks. Husbands need to move quickly. If he, you know, responded on the day that he heard them, then whatever proceeded from her lips concerning her vows or concerning the agreement binding her, it shall not stand. Her husband has made them void and the Lord will release her. Verse 13. 
Every vow and every binding oath to afflict her soul, for her, her husband may confirm it or her husband may make it void. So if there is an oath or a binding agreement, the husband can confirm it or make it void. And in verse 14, now if her husband makes no response, whatever, whatever to her from the day from day to day, then he confirms all her vows or all the agreements that bind her. He confirms them, but he has made no response to her on the day that he heard them. But if he does make them void after he has heard them, then he shall bear their guilt. So let's say the husband comes up later and says, you know what? Wait a minute. You know, it says if he makes them void after he heard them, then he can take the heat off of his wife. Once again, it still provides a covering for the wife where let's say her binding agreement or her vow meant that if she didn't keep a vow, something would happen to her. It would cost her. Then it would take the husband. With, I'll take that brunt. That that is going to happen. Whatever was going to happen to her is going to happen to me. Whatever the negative side of the vow was, if you don't keep this vow, you're going to pay this amount. You don't keep this vow, you got to work this many days. The husband would take that off of her and put it on to himself. And then it says, these are verse 16. These are the statutes which the Lord commanded Moses between a man and a wife, and between a father and a daughter in her youth in the father's house. Now. I got a few other things I want to look at concerning this. So we looked at the importance of keeping our word and we make a vow to keep a vow. We've looked at a daughter under the covering of her husband, a wife under the covering of her husband, a wife that's husband has died or divorced, no longer under the covering of her husband. She's left uncovered in that sense. And then we left right here where once again, there's a husband and he could confirm a vow or deny a vow. What would this mean for us? Is there anything here that should be speaking to us that we could take from this and walk with it? And I believe that there is. Now, we're looking at marriages. We're looking at those that are under authority. As New Testament Christians, whose authority are we under? Right? We're under God's authority. Who are we in relationship? In our relationship with Jesus, who's the husband? Who's the bride? Right? So even though we're, you know, we're, we're Christians, like I'm a man. As a Christian, I'm part of the bride of Christ. I'm okay with that. I ain't that macho because um, the, the alternative ain't that cool. You know, so um, the church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is the groomsman or the husbandman. And in the same way as I read this story and I, I read, I read the, the section here and I see that God's like, I, I want to provide a covering. Um, a wife's got to submit to the covering. The husband needs to provide a covering, needs to respond and do his part. We have a, a covering as well as New Testament believers. Now, for every one of us that have made commitments and we didn't keep them and we committed to do things that we didn't do and we've said, oh, God, I'm never going to do that again. And we did it again. Who covers you? Who who takes that off of you? Who deals with that for you? Um, Jesus does that for us. And we're putting this really sweet place in our relationship with Christ. And I want to just give us a few verses, point that out. One of them, um, everybody look at first John chapter two, verse one and first John Chapter two, verse one, the apostle John says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So John is saying, look, I wrote these things. And the, the, the letter of first John, one of the purposes of the book is that we would not sin. But he says, but if we do sin, because we do, he says, I, I, you guys have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ. He's our advocate. He's the one that stands in the gap. He's the one that stands in the way for us. He's our covering. Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses um, is Hebrews 7.25, which says that Jesus lives to make intercession. Hebrews 7.25 says, therefore, speaking of Jesus, 
He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus, I live to make intercession for you guys. Think about this. That means that nonstop, 24-7, right? I mean, Jesus is living and interceding on our behalf. Every mistake, everywhere you need to be covered, everything, any mistake. The Bible says it talks about Satan, that he's the accuser of the brethren. And Satan could be there accusing you night and day before the throne. Bill did this. He didn't do that. And it could be true. And there's like an advocate with Jesus Christ. And I got Jesus Christ also living to make intercession for me, keeping me in the right standing with the Lord. And so, again, as a believer, as a New Testament believer, those that have put our faith in Christ, there is a there's a covering. Um, there's a covering over us. And so I want to point this out. Now, I, had, I, I was looking at um, something from John Corson. And I, I, I just like the he gave a little scripture picture and he showed how that you guys remember the story with Peter and Jesus came to Peter and Peter. Peter was. Vowed. He said, Lord, I'll die with you. I'm ready to go to prison with you. I'm, I'm, I mean, he, and, and I believe he meant every word of it. You know, he said, I love you more than everybody else. Lord, I'll, I'm not like these other little chumpy disciples. I'll die with you. I'll go to prison with you. I'm with you. That was his vow. Those were his words. And we all know that he, he wasn't able to keep it. Jesus said, Peter, you don't even know that you're going to deny. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny three times that you even know me. And he said, but, but I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you make it through, when, when you when you're done, after you've been truly converted, Jesus said, you're going to go back and strengthen the brethren. And when you look at that right there, right, that's Jesus. saying, look, I, I know you're going to mess up, Peter. I know you're not able to keep your vow. I, I know that what you're saying and what you're going to do are different. But he says, you know what I'm doing for you? I'm praying for you. The reason you're going to make it, Peter, because I'm praying for you, not because you vowed that you would make it, not because you're so strong and awesome, but because I am praying for you. And I hope that encourages everybody here because everybody here, we've sinned, we fall short, we make mistakes, we err. And how come we're going to make it, right? Are we going to make it? Yeah, we're going to make it. How come we're going to make it? Because Jesus is praying for us. He's living to make intercession for us. He's covering us and washing us and forgiving us and renewing us to keep us in a place. How come I can continue to come up with the Lord? How come I know that one day I'm going to die and I'm going to go to heaven? I'm going to be with God and be in his presence. How does that work? When we're so flawed and messed up and everything else because of that right there, because we're covered because Jesus covers us. This is out of Jude. I just love it. Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God, our savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. He says, now unto him who's able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless. Think about the fact that one day every one of us, with all our faults, all of our mess ups, all of our blemishes, all of our error, one day we're going to be presented faultless before the Lord because of what Jesus has done for us. And for that, we're going to give thanks and we're going to take a moment to remember it. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for how much you love us, Lord. Thank you, God, that you're working behind the scenes, Lord, to keep us in a place. Thank you for the covering that you provide, Lord. Thank you for how the, the way that you intervene in our lives. Even as we read the scriptures and numbers and we look at how a father and a husband could intervene over in the lives of those that he was authorized to be a covering to. God, we're so thankful that you've been authorized to be our covering. 
and that you intervene on our behalf, Lord, that you, you're an advocate. We have an advocate with you that, Lord, you, you live to make intercession for us. And God, it is you that is going to present us faultless before his throne. Jesus, we worship you and we thank you for who you are and what you have done and are doing. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As we study through the book of Numbers, do you relate to how the people wanted to rebel, complain, and doubt what God's doing? Throughout this book, it's easy to pick up on a theme that God doesn't look kindly at a rebellious spirit or behavior. However, He corrects the people in a way that causes them to come back to Him with the right kind of heart. The lessons that he taught them are the same ones he teaches you today. He wants you to live fully for him, not just say one thing and do another. This means not going about your ministry complaining about the things that bother you. God wants you to be overflowing with gratitude for what he's doing in your life and to look back at the struggles and recognize that he was the one who got you through. Are you enjoying these things that you're gaining from the book of Numbers? Today's message is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the Teachings tab. Otherwise, feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of A Transforming Word.